do blah blah comics, blah blah curse words. I'm Derek. I'm Colby. I'm going to have to get used to not saying that. Um, hint, hint, yeah. or something that's going to happen uh, at the end of this show. That's right. You're going to have to sit through an entire show of us blah blahing. Uh, but we do have a uh, mysterious announcement yeah. that we'll be dropping on all of you uh, at the end of this show. So please do stick around. Yeah, either stick uh, around or, I mean, honestly, if you just care about the future of the show, don't worry. It's good news. Like we should preface the show's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The show will. Sur- the show is surviving. The show is moving on. The show's doing awesome stuff. Don't think we're canceling the show. It just. No, I thought I thought about making that joke, but I decided not to because I was just, that would just be too morbid. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate. It. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if anyone, we're going to announce a big announcement at the end of the show. That is very very good news. It will affect possibly how you see the show and maybe where you listen to it, but nothing. Nothing as severe as us canceling. In fact, that may mean more content from us coming up in the future. So, don't don't be too sad. Be happy about this. It's it's exciting yeah. news, but we don't want to. We don't want to like anything. You can't let the big moment at the very beginning. So until then, we got a lot of comics to come about because there were a lot of fucking comics, movies, and other random news to talk about. Yeah, before we uh, before we dive into that, I just want to say hello. This is like our first uh, real blah blah uh, in like what three weeks, close to a month. Yeah, we've been doing. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like it's been a bit. It has because we had respawn, but even before that, the we recorded two episodes pretty close to each other and had one in the can that came out. So right, it's been a and minute. Then skip week, so yeah, and it's been a minute, minute and a half, uh, and we miss doing this because it's always awesome. We love doing respawn. Talking about Spawn, we love doing other random shows, but being able to talk about any comics, all comics, all the movies is always a pleasant, pleasant day. Yeah, this is our baby. So, um, do you want to do, I guess we should probably stick to the regular format, talk a little bit about news first. Yeah. Um, going backwards, I feel like the biggest news is probably the Green Lantern HBO Max news. Yeah, which is kind of weird because we had already basically heard this is happening this just kind of confirms the characters involved which yeah it looks like most if not all popular green lanterns are involved in the show they haven't said kyle rayner and that's oh. kind of got my that's got the hair on the back of my neck up a little bit but maybe that means they're they're going to do something with kyle in the films along with Hal. but yeah for those who uh, who don't know what we're referring to hbo max has announced that they're doing a green lantern core like a green lantern universe television series on hbo max and personally i think that's a really fantastic idea because as we saw from the ryan reynolds green lantern movie it's really really hard to compress the mythology of the core into a two-hour film if you want to focus on one green lantern that's fine but if you want to actually do something with the vast, vast, vast uh, collection of characters and ideas about the entirety of the Green Lantern Corps, you need something more like a television series. And um, HBO Max, which has been putting out some tremendous, tremendous uh, work, including comic book work, Watchmen was a a spectacular uh, Emmy-sweeping television show. So it shows that uh, that I I feel like that shows that this is a, a really good idea very excited to see that whenever people start making television shows again. I don't have a lot to say about it other than I am worried about Kyle, and I'm otherwise I'm very excited about the show. I'm about the same, yeah. I don't know how far off it is till we see it. We've got stuff going back in production, but they're so backed up on so many things. I mean, we could also announce that other news, everything got delayed, as is usual now. You had uh, Shazam moving a year, Batman moving a year. Black Adam being taken off the slate. And here's the problem. It's not because any of those movies aren't in production or aren't happening. It's because 
now next There's year. No way to make them. Well, no, next year. So stacked. Like they're in production right now. Shazam two, oh, okay. Batman. I believe Batman is back in production. Black Adam is yeah, in I development. Yeah, I think uh, Pattinson finally got over his yeah. uh, COVID. Uh, and then Disney also wiped the slate clean as well. They moved. Yeah. Um, Black Widow all the way to May and uh, Eternal is all the way to next November. Yep. They have they have completely ceded the year 2020 to COVID. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman is still looking at a December release date, I think, but yeah. I'm sure that's going to – I have no doubt that's going to get pushed back into the next year. I think it may have already been announced like yesterday. I'm not positive on that though, so I'm going to stick with the uh, – the potential uh, Christmas release date. Yeah. Uh, and then also that leads into another story you wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, Disney Pixar Soul yeah, well, is being... Uh, really quick, yeah, the reality is yeah, it, it kind of cuts into Soul too. is 2021 right now went from having like three major movies to at one point have like 20 major tinfoil movies in one year. So the problem is just everyone's slate is just moving up another year. So movies like uh, Shazam 2, which... You know, typically would have been in 2021 without any problem, and it's ready. You know, we'll be ready to go even with COVID. It's still like, well, we just don't have room for it because now we have all these other movies that are getting moved to this, and possible more moved. I mean, Dune got moved a full year. We didn't mention that yeah. one. We have, uh, there's a yeah. Basically, everything is moving, and because 2021 is now so full, a lot of stuff is going to be in 2022 just because it's so full, and it comes down to. Which and I remember people pick. saying that about um, people were worried about 2019 with uh, – uh, or tw- no, 2018, whenever Black Panther was coming yeah. out. I remember there was a big concern that something like ba- Black Panther was going to get smothered because of um, – all the uh, all the yeah. show, all the movies uh, coming out. Thankfully, that was not the case. But yeah. again, there's there's just that, that's something I feel like Hollywood has been um, like dancing around for a while now. Yeah. The the how much is uh, how much is too much, and COVID may have uh, again something that a lot of the industry is talking about. Um, COVID may have forced their hand on that as well. We don't we have, quite know. Yeah, we have a few. When it comes to COVID and movies, it's going to change so many things. We also have you know a lot of theaters. Not right now, not all reclosing, but I uh, know a couple of major chains are closing down again. We have also the fact that because we don't know when things will return movie theater wise and make a make money actually is uh, these theater chains may not be there when it returns to any yeah. sense of normality. We well, don't, is, it, is it Regal Theaters? Uh, uh, second largest video or yeah. second largest movie chain in America is shuttering its doors for COVID. Now there is again there's some debate as to whether are they closing down permanently? Oh no, they they're they're just temporarily. COVID? Right now what they said yeah. at the National American Theater Organization thing is that they are closing temporarily like they did back in March. And everyone's expecting AMC and Regal or AMC and uh, Cinemark to follow suit. Mm-hmm. But right now they're not. But again, there's no there's no movies coming out now until December. So what the fuck are you going to play for two months of nothing where people already aren't coming out? Sorry, this cat. Oh, it's okay. Begged, demanded to be let in. I let him in and he begged, demanded to be let out. <laughs> Pick up your freaking mind, cat. But yeah, no, there's... It's gonna have these ripple effects. Like Soul again, we we hinted at there a minute. We got skipped over. Yeah, Soul is moving to Disney Plus on. And apparently, you and I are getting some some cross signals on this one because from what I read, it's going to just be on Disney Plus. It's yeah. not going to be charged. But you're saying that they haven't actually confirmed. That. No, all, all they have said is Disney. That's going to Disney Plus. But that's also what they said about Mulan before they announced the price point. The, 
Right. So I don't but then know. Again, they took a bath on Mulan's price point. So even if uh, if they do charge for Soul, I doubt they're going to do the $30 Maybe? Uh, entry fee again. I don't know. Soul's a different case. It's coming on Christmas Day. You're going to have a lot of kids. The problem with Mulan was not only – it was so there were so many problems with Mulan. It's not only with yeah. the $30. It was also a movie that already had the people question, like, okay, who is this movie necessarily for? And then on top of that, it was getting you know very lackluster reviews when it, the early reviews started coming out. And then you had the lead act- actress saying her political Chinese shit that got her pissed off in so many countries and got so many countries mad at her. We yeah. then had, uh, on top of that, you had people not understanding necessarily what the Disney Plus model was. And you also have this model, the first time it's really being used. So you got a lot of shit going on all at once, and I think Disney didn't know how to do it right, and they also kind of, like you said, they, they kind of took a bath on it because there were so many issues. I think had this had this first test been with a Black Widow or even Soul, it would definitely would, I mean, no matter what, it would have made more money, but it would have been, a, if they could have, here's the thing, if you can tell your customer in more clear terms what they're doing and how to do it, I think it'll help. I think a lot of people, even when it came out, didn't understand that one, you're not really buying it. You're kind of, It's almost like DLC in a game. You're unlocking it for Disney+. Plus. Uh-huh. Uh, and then now they're screwing those people over because now Mulan's available on every other streaming platform, but you also own it for the same price. Right. So there's a lot of... Yeah, they fucked up a lot on that release. And then you also have... But you also have Tina, on the other hand, which is making more money, but also nowhere near what they thought even in COVID numbers. Yeah. So it's, Yeah, that's... They, that's the whole thing. With I think that's the reason theaters are finally starting to look at closing again. Is because yeah. uh, Disney took a bath on Mulan. Co- uh, Tenet did not bring in the numbers they wanted. It's uh, again that's something I think you and I are hearing a little bit different um, as far as numbers go. Because the numbers I've heard for Tenet are pretty horrific. It's well right uh, now. It's, 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 like... getting, it's getting boosted by. Um, Worldwide gross. Right but now, the, yeah. The statewide gross is uh, pretty. Uh, it's let me, let me look for it now. I think last time I saw it, it was at. Uh, I want to say it was, I know it's over three hundred million now. I'm trying to see what let's see what the exact numbers are as of today, since we may be getting some early. Yeah, right now it's at three hundred twenty-three point three million worldwide. Yeah, but how long has it been out? That's also the only thing out. Right. So it's kind of it's almost got the Titanic thing going on right now, where it's the only big movie out. It's they. I think their I think their estimated was, if I remember right, their estimated was fifty million above where they were for the first week, and then it's been just a few million off. Like they weren't they were expecting to get low numbers, but not quite as low. Mm-hmm. It's but again, it's the only thing in theater, so it's still. Who the fuck knows? This thing could be like a Titanic, especially if theaters are open. It's literally the only thing to see for the next few months. Right. It may just make money off of there is nothing else going on. So it's a kind of little engine that could situation. We'll see where it's at. But it's still, even even there, it's still a giant tinpole movie. It's estimated that it needs to make around five hundred, like 400 to 500 million to break even. And once you, especially once you include uh, double marketing for it because having to change dates and everything. Uh, right. I, we don't know, but also with Soul, with it coming out on Christmas Day, we're doing a Pixar movie, uh, if they can tweak their system a little bit, that thing has every bit of a chance to make a shit ton of money with everyone at home needing something to watch on Christmas Day. Right. And I think they can, I mean, that's the movie I know I'll, I know for sure I'll buy this, mostly because Trent Reznor's doing the score, and I'm really interested to see what that's like. 
Right. And also, it's Pixar, so again, it's a family-friendly movie. It's a much smarter time period to release it. I, if they, even at, even at thirty bucks, if they find a way to do, it, and I get the, the problem with them is they want everyone on Disney Plus, and that's another double-edged sword of well, you've got also got to pay five dollars for Disney Plus if you don't already if you already use your two-week trial, and then you have to go through one interface, go to another interface. So if they you're you're again you're cutting other people out of the market that just either just don't want Disney Plus or just want to watch that but don't want to pay for that. So I don't know. They're gonna to have to find a way to do it. I think the best way they probably could do it is they do a thing where it's like, oh, you if you buy Soul for say thirty bucks again, but you get you know three months of Disney Plus for free included. Some kind of marketing yeah. tactic to make sure people get Disney Plus but don't feel like they're having to pay extra money for Disney Plus if they just want Soul. Yeah, that's that's a fair thought. Honestly. But also, we're at that point again where there's even Disney has to make money. Like this entire year, I mean, no. Oh yeah, they are they are what uh, over a billion dollars. Oh, uh, yeah. under where they expected to be this year. They have, uh, well, of course the uh, the Disney um, execs are, you know, properly paid because they fired most of the uh, entertainment staff at Disney World. Yeah. But they yeah they are uh, they're suffering pretty hard financially. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I don't know, you know, they have all these movies in the can, and they're starting to start production up slowly. Well, some are going full, are full, full in production again. But they are getting, they just, again, they just have a pile and a backlog of these, you know, giant movies and shows that they have to find a way to make money on. And they, they you know, they can't just release it if it's going to make, you know, because right now Mulan, we don't know for sure. The, the best estimate we have is based off of Yahoo uh, Analytics, which who knows how those are. And they got it the first time they were reported. The numbers were reported very wrong, which led to a lot of people thinking it made a ton more. And then according to Yahoo Analytics, it I think it actually ended up being like 90 to 120 million. But even that is just going off of essentially a really good guess. Yeah. And that's I think that's entirely based off of an increase. They're going off of an increase of Disney Plus subscriptions from that month that dropped a month later. Right. Which, I mean, so you're going to get some numbers of people that already have Disney Plus. It's not including those. But also the fact that – I actually – I don't know because on one hand I was going to say the fact that they're not putting Black Widow on Disney Plus says that they hate it. But since they are doing something with Soul on Disney Plus, maybe the numbers are a little bit better than we thought and they're wanting to tweak the system but don't want to risk it on a giant movie and want to risk right. it on something that they can – they know they'll make money on, but also know it isn't going to be a huge bath if they just completely bomb again. So it's a fair thought. I, I really have no clue. It's a weird. It's weird. I mean, it's such a weird time, and it is. It's so weird to to me. And I don't. I don't kind of. I'm not trying to bash anything you're saying yeah. or or bash our show. It it is such a weird time that that you know basically you know armchair analytics like you and I can spend so much time debating what may be going on yeah. with a billion dollar industry or a billion dollar company oh, yeah. it, it's it feels like you couldn't you couldn't used to do it this way i feel like you no know, i correct me if i'm wrong but well this this feels this feels like a whole new world of armchair quarterbacking well a lot of it is you know there when it comes to because of the oscars and because of the box office numbers there are certainly galleries that they have to disclose when they put it in the box office when they put it in any platform like that, but when it comes to VOD and streaming, those don't exist. So they can kind of just, who knows? It's all, again, it's people having to find ways to kind of guesstimate what is around the number it might be, unless they 
just say the numbers, and if they say the numbers, it probably, you know, it almost always did really good, because they very rarely right. say the numbers, and it's like, oh, we only sold 5 million units of this. Right. They're, you'll normally only hear it if it was a vast, incredible success. Like, Which is why I feel like the silence around, excuse me, yeah. sorry, it's been a long week. Okay. Um, I feel like the silence around Mulan's um, numbers, oh, yeah. uh, especially when it first hit, was pretty telling. Because yeah. if they, if it, if it, you feel like if Disney had made had really oh, if banked they, on uh, Mulan, they would have trumpeted it from the rooftops. If they would have made their money back and started making money off of Mulan, it would have irrevocably changed everything. We know uh, about the movie industry. And I mean, right now, yeah. we're, we're already to a point of the movie industry is going to change, especially if theaters are closing. And well, they're clo- they are going on temporary quote unquote hiatus right now. If they do close before anything big comes back, we are looking at a world where the tenpole giant $500 million movies aren't going to happen. But also, playing a little devil's advocate, knowing what kind of current trend, I don't know if that's. I mean, I love movies and I like going to theaters, but I also know. It's kind of expanding at a growth that it can't keep up with itself. I mean, we're yeah. getting to a we're getting to a point where them making a movie for a billion dollar budget isn't out of the question anymore of reality. It'd be crazy, but it wouldn't be something that would be like impossible until this year. Right. So that might it might be able to put a cap back on to hey, we got to make shit cheaper. And I'm kind of a fan of that because I feel like typically when things are made, when you have that wall that you can't push against and you have to find innovation. You get extremely cool shit like District Nine. You get extremely cool shit like I mean, fuck the original Star Wars. Even yeah, don't get that. And when you can just throw money at a problem, and I, I it's going to cause more bad than good. But no matter what, movies are going to change. So I don't know. I mean, there's an entire possibility that basically every movie that's filming that's filming right now in development may be the last of the. This costs three to five hundred million to make. Right. Or. Or who knows? We'll like, <laughs> like everything. It, it is interesting to notice that theaters, uh, even on being open, because I know one of the big, one of the biggest problems is in uh, certain markets, like especially New York and those markets, theaters weren't allowed to reopen at all, and that that market makes up for I think it's like fifty to sixty percent of like U.S. box office. Like it's a huge number. Like, it is incredibly vast on how much the New York market makes, and the L.A. markets only open on drive-ins, and, a cut, and I think in, like, San Francisco or maybe or somewhere, there's, like, certain theaters open. But it's very sporadic. So taking the, those two giant markets out have led to a lot of But it's also kind of... Because even in the world we live in right now, because with other events, like, people are dying to get back into, and even when they're at 10 or 15% capacity, they're selling out like crazy... It is odd that theaters don't have that going yeah, on. That's um, somebody uh, working kind of in in around and around cinema had a really interesting tweet because he was uh, basically said, you know, theaters brought this on themselves. They thought they were going to be turning people away at the door because yeah. of half capacity measures, and that's just not what happened. Oh, yeah, people are people are not all that eager to, to get back to the cinema, yeah, and they, and a lot of theater owners completely misjudged that. Yeah, I I don't have an answer for that because I mentioned off you know off air that I'm watching the collective wrestling shows going on in Indianapolis with AEW having limited fans, WWE having uh, limited fans at certain events like shit like that or whatever events are going on where they can have even at five to ten percent capacity and again they're selling out instantly with live. Their people are dying to get there, but when it comes to 
cinema. I mean, I've had a few friends that go, and they've sent almost all of them have sent pictures of them by themselves in the theater. Yeah, uh, the one theater that I did, the one movie that I did not see in a uh, drive-in was Bill and Ted Face the Music, yeah. and there was one other group in there besides my wife and I, a group of three people, and they were you know two three rows ahead of us. So, yeah, it's it is, it is odd. It's not like there hasn't been like there's Bill and Ted, there's New Mutants, there's Tenet. There's stuff that typically people would have gone back to. I think the sad thing is we're, it's it's kind of similar to what we saw in a lot of the comic industry going on where I think some of the older generation that has been in charge of those industries for a long time thought that people are just dying and dying and dying to get back at there. They're addicted to going to movies every week. They have to. And they never thought about, okay, we have to convince them to come back and give them a reason. Right. I don't think they looked at it that way because you're right. Most of them just open or like they were expecting Tenet to be sold out all day, every day for the first few weeks. They were expecting Everything to, you know, okay, we're at half capacity, but we're going to have so many people, they're going to be working overtime, basically. And instead, it became, okay, we have two people in theater three and two and four. So, we're basically paying, you know, six people hourly wage to clean up, to make food, to wash over everything, to extra sanitize everything, and we're doing it for four people over a five-hour period. Yep. And I don't even know, like, during the week. I know a lot of people are talking about just closing down uh, for during the week and opening on weekends. Alamo, the Alamo Draft House here, is now only open uh, Thursday through Sunday. And that that makes sense, because if they're not going to... I mean, yeah, like people, like, I've heard arguments of, oh, about people's jobs. Like, yeah, people's jobs. It does suck. However, if people aren't even showing up, you can't just pay people to literally sit there and overmake popcorn for nine hours. Mm-hmm. And it sucks, but I don't know. Well, the other thing is, uh, man, that could get fall down a, a pretty deep political uh, hole with that because if America would do what every other country who successfully defeated COVID has done, it would be to pay the popcorn makers anyway uh, through government stipend until this, you know, so that we could all lock down and let this yeah, go. But that's just not something America's going to do. No, it's weird. Like, there, it's in, not to get political, I'll just say. Very typical American fashion of us. There were two options that other countries had beaten COVID on, two radically different ones, and somehow America said, fuck it, we're going we're gonna to split the difference and do each side shitty. Like, yep. Okay. So we, we didn't do the way of like other countries like Italy and England that fucked up at the beginning and got their shit together. We didn't do countries like South Korea that always had their shit together. We didn't do ways like Sweden, which went the, revert, the opposite and like, crazy opposite way uh, of measures, but also worked. We went half-ass on everything. And somehow... Well, we just, again, very American. Yeah, it's... Yeah, we don't want to get too political. We went half-ass on everything and then acted surprised when it didn't work. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd thing that we went to, okay, well, these experts are saying this thing. These experts are saying we should do this. Which way are we doing? Neither. Because, like, uh, yeah, I, I was literally... It's weird because I was reading articles... Uh, uh, literally right right before us about uh, a bunch of a giant research group that has been like begging and petitioning to try certain measures that are essentially how to reopen things pretty quickly but putting a ton of extra care on the people that are very vulnerable to, to the disease and everything. However, we're not doing that either. Like, right. Whatever. Yeah, that's, we don't want to get too political. We don't want to dive into that realm because then it will be here all day on a different podcast. 
Yeah, uh, and but, we've done it before. Again, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's not like we haven't hidden. It's not like we hide our political affiliations. Yeah, well, it's, it's so hard not to though, because especially right now, it, it comes down to every. No matter what side you are, everyone wants this to be over. And I think the fact that we are seeing other countries being able to get back, somewhat get back to an open status, and we have certain small pockets of countries that are being opened, it's just one of those things where it hits everybody hard. It's everybody different. And I don't, like everyone says, you know, we don't know what the next, we're at a point where we don't know what the next few months means, what the next few weeks mean or anything. So we can hope for the best and do our part, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, we shall see in the near future. But to get a, get a little bit away from uh, all that drama, I guess we can, something that kind of bleeds into this, and we'll just briefly mention it, because talking speaking of drama and crazy shit, in the cinema especially, was uh, our old fr- our old friend Alan Moore pissing off the internet yet again by basically saying hard truths that people don't want to realize is true? And I'm sorry if you got mad at his comments, but we've kind of been preaching similar for a long time. Even as people that love comics and love literature, uh, Derek especially and love, love the Marvel movies and love Marvel movies and shit like that. But it's also like, yeah, we love those movies, but we have we have talked a lot about. It. We have definitely noticed that yeah, the problem with the Marvel movies is they did kind of form the final killing blow to those middle ground movies that now just all go to Netflix and get buried. They like, sadly the cinema has become the giant blockbuster home and everything and else. The thing is, I don't think that would necessarily have been a bad thing were it not for COVID. No, I think uh, that was Alan Moore's, I think Alan Moore's big argument that pissed a lot of people off is he, his thing was saying that such a reliance on hero movies and hero culture is making a lot of people more kind of subservient to this idea that everything can be fixed in a really quick, easy solution. And we're constantly fed a narrative of, hey, this, you know, all it takes is this one little thing and it'll fix everything. And the reality is, kind of like the current situation, almost no major situation is fixed with one easy thing. Right. Now, um, before we go any further than this, I just want to make the statement. I have not actually read the interview, mostly because I'm just, I'm so tired of people <laughs> poking alan moore and then when he gets mad at getting poked putting his anger online so that people can yell at him i mean yeah. guy's been through enough if you if you if you manage to score an interview with alan moore for the love of god stop asking about Watchmen. stop asking about rorschach stop asking about the killing joke ask him about abc you know, ask, yeah. ask him about his avatar work he's he's done other things well that was and his the thing I know pissed a lot of people off is him basically saying that, you know, comics were made, superhero, the superhero comics were made for kids, and it's not for kids anymore, and stuff like Watchmen has been so taken away from what it originally meant that now it has just been another, you know, it had been another case of a, of a big rebel mil, uh, middle finger just, you know, co-opted and turned into a product. Well, you and I were both talking before the show started, Neither, and I'm a huge, huge Tom King fan. Yeah. Neither one of us wants the Tom King Rorschach book. Yeah, it just – that feels I'm, dirty to a different degree. It does, and I am very curious what the sales on that are going to be because they're either going to be nil or they are going to be explosive three jokers who could have seen this coming huge. Yeah, I, I have no clue. And much. either one is going to disappoint the shit out of me. Yeah, I don't know. And Tom King is also at such a weird point right now where I still He's don't know. lost a lot of his luster. 
Yeah, his, his 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 new boy shine has uh, has been wearing off lately. Um, I think because we kind of talked a little bit about this on the show. Uh, he can't not write how he's feeling. Yeah. So when he was disappointed at people for rejecting Heroes in Crisis, it showed up in his work. Um, when Abe called him to the mat on his. Uh, um, CIA service, which, as far as I know, has yet has not ever been disproven. Yeah. Um, it showed up in Strange Adventures, and you kind of got to wonder what. Uh, I mean, I love his formalism. I love the cues he takes from Alan Moore. But if he's turning into a Jeff Johns, where the, he can't, he's not just taking the cues; he's aping the story, and he, he, he loses track of what he's doing. Yeah, it's as a storyteller, as a, as, a, as a solo storyteller, I'm I'm. I'm legit worried. I'm not reading the book, and I, uh, I'm very worried about what it's going to do for uh, King's career and possibly King as a person. If I'm being completely honest, yeah, it, it's a weird idea because you have somebody who, again, who has such a a style that does get accused of just sometimes you know homaging Alan Moore all the way to ripping off Alan Moore, and it's such a hard balance to fight with that, and then to give him not only a property. That is like Alan Moore, like kind of like when Jardway got Doom Patrol. It's very Grant Morrison, but it's like okay, it's not just Grant Morrison's other people involved. But when you get Al, you know, Tom King having to work on an Alan Moore project and he's already accused of aping Alan Moore, that's either going to make one of the books like, man, there's no way this should be so good, but it is, or it's going to be like, my God, this is just you know second rate Alan Moore and another yeah, insult to his legacy. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. There's so much. Are of you that gonna going. read it? I've, I've been talking to both know. of us. Are you gonna read it? I don't know. Uh, honestly, probably not. Because next week's a really big week for me. You have Death Metal. You have the Killjoys comic coming back. You have a lot of shit like that. So I don't know if I'll even remember it. Fair. And also, Tom King. Here, then, Crisis burned me so hard, and then Strange Adventures continued that burning. So I'm. I, I don't know. I lost a lot of a lot of that. Hey, I may not like everything Tom King does, but I'll give it all a shot. And now it's more like he has to kind of prove that he's more than uh, more than Vision and Mister Miracle. Because right now, in Sheriff of Babylon, right now that's uh, kind of where I'm at with it. And I, I, I genuinely think that's fair. I really do. Um, Just let him do his back cap. They keep showing art. It's coming for out in December. Yeah, that's a, apparently that this finally got a release date. That's something we haven't talked about. Yeah, uh, Batcat is finally getting uh, released in December, and it's been so long, be, you know, past his uh, his initial bat run. Again, I'm not it's even 100 percent sure I'm interested. Between COVID and just normal delays, it has now been a full year, mm-hmm. like a full fucking year away from it, which is the thing is we should. Supposedly, we should be guaranteed uh, no delays on this book because one of the reasons they – supposedly one of the reasons it took so long to come out was they wanted Clayman to pencil every issue before it hit because they didn't want any delays. So um, that's the rumor. We'll see if that's how it actually happens. I hope so because I, I'm more interested in that than Rorschach just because I would want something that's at least somewhat fresh of a take. Yeah. I, Plus, bringing the phantasm into the DC, you know, yeah. actual DC Comics universe is a fun idea. I like um, Tom King's interplay between Batman and Catwoman, despite the. Uh, and the I really like City of Bane, but the complete fizzle of the multiverse. We, you know, we met on a boat, we met on the street uh, argument. Yeah. Um, is ultimately shying away and ducking away from 
the potential of that also kind of felt like a burn. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's all around just so I don't know. Like I, I don't want to. I hate I hate this like run of bummer news we're talking about weird shit. And <laughs> to turn around, no, I think a lot of it, a lot of what Al Moore said is true, and I think that. He's, he's also someone, we talk about being burned, he's been burned by the system more than anyone else. He famously had one of the worst contracts of all time when it came to Watchmen and V. He has also consistently, even in his later years, uh, written books that have been, you know, good to great. He is one of, I mean, there was one of those Twitter things a long time ago, I say a long time ago, it feels like that's probably two weeks ago, like who has, you know, had the biggest impact in comics, especially writers, and like, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison basically are the two foundational pillars of everything we have in Marvel and DC right now. Yeah. If it wasn't for those two, because even at this point, even Neil Gaiman's kind of moved out of the picture with Vertigo gone, a lot of his influence. Like he's mm-hmm. definitely influential still. And also, but, he's he's actively trying to sabotage his own uh, his own comics uh, legacy. It seems like with some of the interviews he's been giving recently. Well, I think he's uh, in a similar place to Alan Moore, where he's just like. I, I think it is one of those things where... He refers to Sandman as graphic novels. No, motherfucker, you wrote comics. Oh, I mean... You I, wrote comics, now you're a novelist. I don't know. That's, that seems like a weird semantic argument to me. I don't care about that, He's honest. also trying to destroy libraries, so... I I have no love for Neil Gaiman. How are you trying to, uh, I don't... I've not heard about the library stuff. He and Chuck Wendig and a few others are basically trying to make libraries rent books on a yearly basis as opposed to owning them. Because li- if a library owns a book, that means the creators aren't getting paid for the property. Uh-huh. So when people check out books, they're not getting paid for the book. So he's trying to – he and a few other creators are, are involved in a massive lawsuit, which would essentially make libraries like you would check the book. They would have to pay yearly to keep books on the shelves. Libraries which make no money basically as it is, yeah. which would basically destroy libraries as an institution essentially because creators want more money than what they already have. It's kind of disgusting. And mm. the fact that Neil Gaiman's name is on there, yeah. is, uh, it, it really burns me. That's the yeah, I hadn't heard that. I don't know. I, I get like I get that's a very trying to take streaming logic to libraries, but I don't think that necessarily works in that scenario. Yeah. That's, yeah I'd have to do look way more into that because I've not heard this at all. Uh, I've, I, I may be wrong. I may be misrepresenting the information. That is how the information has been presented to me yeah. uh, from the, the, the few sources that I've read, uh, which are, again, online sources, and I'm sure they have their own bias. So take that information with whatever grain of salt you feel you need to. But that is, how, again, how it was presented to me, how I have uh, been uh, – how I have – had the data interpreted for me. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't. I really don't know. So do, everybody, do your own research. I'm. I'm saying that to our listeners as yeah. well. If this is if this is something that upsets you, uh, look into it because it's a uh, it's a very upsetting potential situation. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Because I heard about the graphic. All I'd heard about the graphic novel thing. I'm like, and I'll, I'll, again, I'm at this point. I just don't. I'm like, I don't care what you call it. You, if, whatever you want to call it. You, it's kind of. Like I brought it up talking to Lance. And him. My big thing here lately is like everyone in the current, whether it be the asshole of the comics world or not it is dawned on me it's bizarre that no one fucking talks about people reading webtoons which right now there are probably more people reading comics as teenagers than almost any other time but because they're reading them on webtoons no one talks about that market as a comic reading market and they totally are and well, it's I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the same argument about how nobody considers uh, Raina Telgemeier or uh, Dave Pilkey as comics creators, even though they they release 
essentially graphic novels every year, and they're the highest selling, not just graphic novels, they're the highest selling books of the year they come out, and nobody yeah. really considers that comics either, because when when you and I and Lance and you know 90% of the people we're talking to talk about comics, uh, and again, when we when uh, when someone's interview, to pull it back to what we're talking about, when someone asks Alan Moore, are you reading comics? That's a shorthand for our you know, superhero comics. They're yeah. asking Alan Moore, are you reading superhero comics? And of course he's not reading superhero comics. He's 70-something years old. Dude doesn't need to read superhero comics anymore. But if he's not sitting on top of a stack of EC Cigars Popeye, I will you know, fucking eat my hat. That dude, I'm sure, keeps up with the medium that he loves. But I'm, yeah. uh, I'm equally sure he doesn't give a rat's ass about superhero comics. Oh, yeah. Neither do a lot of teenagers reading comics today. That's fine. But we, it's on us, the onus is on us to expand our definition of the medium. It's not yeah. on them, the readers, to justify the comics that they enjoy. No, I agree, and that's why, like, I don't know why. Again, this year, God of High School is one of my favorite shows of the year. Uh, it's based off a of webtoon, and I, if you go into a comment, there are certain comic shops that will, like, try to have merch and stuff from it, but it's just another bizarre thing of, you know, like, why in the world are you not like when comic shops were thriving, teens were buying spawn by the hundreds, by the thousands right now, teens aren't buying that. Why do you still treat that book like you do, but not treat, you know, I don't know, God of high school or tower of God or any of the other super popular webtoons treat those like the same fucking thing. You want to bring people back in. That's a major way to do it. And yeah, I think all of this hit me because you're right. If, People forget, if Alan Moore didn't give a shit about comics as a medium as far as sequential art with words, then uh, he wouldn't have written Providence a few years ago. He wouldn't have finished uh, his League stories. He wouldn't have figured in, finished any of that stuff or cared about any of that stuff. He does care. He just doesn't. He's very tired of the medium being completely controlled by two giant corporations that are now in, owned by the two biggest corporations in the world. Right, and then also not just that, but the uh, the the medium of superhero comics. Yeah. Uh, I know I know he's kind of persona non grata in comics right now, but uh, I always remember the Warren Ellis quote of people would really not be interested in bookstores if you went to a bookstore and ninety percent of it was nurse romance novels. Yeah, but so yeah, there's a lot of evils. But you know, let's talk about the evils of the two big two because they put out a lot of books this week that we like. <laughs> Not just that. I want before we because you mentioned uh, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, and I want to uh, just uh, say um, for the record right here, and also I'm kind of wondering if there's a term for this. I I've, I like Greg Rucka's independent comic work. Um, I like Lazarus. Uh, Old Guard is okay. I like it just fine. I just reread his Wolverine run for the first time, so and it just reminded me how much I fucking adore Greg Rucka's superhero work. Yeah, no, he's great. Is, is there like a term for I only like your writing when you're writing a big two superhero? Because I feel guilty, but my God, uh, yeah. his 19 issues of Wolverine are among the best Wolverine comics I have ever fucking read. Me and Daniel were talking about because Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker are in the same mm-hmm. weird category of like, I don't know if they're in the best of all time or the most overlooked of all time. Uh, right. But they're in one of the two because... When they are hitting, they're hitting it. They are hitting it out of the park. And there's some other stuff that don't do incredible out, but they never put anything horrible out. Right. It's it's odd. Uh, yeah. No, I, I know. I'm glad to say, yeah, Greg Rucka's Wolverine is great. I think it's up there with Jason Aaron and Miller and a lot of people, to be honest. It's 
it's great. It, uh, a lot of his shit is great. I was I was blown away by how much I liked it this time because I read it as it was coming out. Uh, I was working at Walden Books at the time, and I would just fucking read it off the comic book rack at the at the register, yeah. and uh, I thought it was fine. I didn't love it because I thought, I, as much as I liked Derek Robertson, and I was a huge Derek Robertson fan even at the time, I did not appreciate what he was trying to do with Wolverine. I yeah. even though Hugh Jackman had you know taken the character, uh, he was still trying to do the five foot two, you know, three feet across on the broad shoulders monkey looking yeah. you know uh, character um, re- uh, reading it through this time god that that visual on the character also completely works for the stories that Rucka is trying to do and also just something about the way the, that uh, Rucka does his stories they feel like actual adventures Wolverine wouldn't be doing when he's not on the X-Men, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, sometimes in the Wolverine books, they just feel like, you know, really traditional superhero stories, and it's like, why are you doing this by yourself? Why are you fighting these supervillains that could easily call for a little bit of help on? The only X-Men that shows up in uh, Morrison's run, um, you get Gene and the Dreams issue, and then Nightcrawler shows up a few times, because yeah. they're friends, and they go to a bar and drink. But other than that, it's just, it's very... Uh, for lack of a better word, grounded. It's not superhero work. It's hero work. And yeah. there is a difference. Uh, speaking of that, we had a new Wolverine issue this week. Yes, yes we did. So, and I wanted to ask you, what do you think of Solemn? Because I know you're a much bigger I, Wolverine fan than I am. I actually really like Solemn as a character. He, it took me a minute. His introduction in Wolverine didn't blow me away, but by the time we'd finished with him in X-Force, I'd really fallen for him. Uh, he's not your typical Wolverine villain in that he's both erudite and sardonic and kind of a delightful asshole. He's a, and that's yeah. not someone Wolverine spends a lot of time with. He's, like a, he's basically Apocalypse's sarcastic kid. Yeah. Uh, so I'm okay with I'm okay with that. I like... I like their little adventure, so it's we're gonna have to talk about Wolverine and X Force together because they literally are part one and part two of a story that's a part three and four of another well, story. Before we do that, though, we should probably we because we haven't. Even oh yeah, well, let's about you know what? Swords creation. Real, honestly, we need to talk about Ten of Swords. Honestly, guys, I think right now we're probably going to do because it's going to get mixed in my head. This is more than likely just going to be about X of Swords, uh, Wolverine, X Force, Marauders, and X. The factor? factor, yeah, X Factor, yeah. because they are. If you aren't reading X Swords, it is every single issue is just another part of the event. And I know some people aren't going to like that. Even I have my reservations. However, it does make the event itself feel more important, and the event itself very coherent so far. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's the word for it. Um, it is a very. It definitely feels like it's being masterminded. Uh, that every story beat leads to something else. Yeah. Um, it, it it feels episodic in the way that very good television does. Uh, if you have absolutely zero interest in Ten of Swords, um, maybe skip to the end of the show because I think this is pretty much going to be the rest of the show. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, there may be more, but uh, this is this is going to be the bulk of our conversation until we get to our uh, our big reveal at yes. the end of the show. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm loving it. Uh, I did not realize this event, not only is it like looking like as long as Age of Apocalypse, I didn't realize it was going to be an, a, kind of an apocalypse-focused or apocalypse-centric event, which uh, yeah, no for joke. me, as a huge apocalypse fan, uh, major, major bonus. The right. uh, we, sh- we should mention, so the crux of the event is Otherworld, which even, you know, I also hate Otherworld, so knowing that I'm liking it, it's kind of a miracle. 
Uh, That's true. It's it's an event spinning out of the events of Excalibur yes. of all comics, which holy shit, who saw that coming? Well, it's like Excalibur, right? Well, Excalibur, and then going back to like mid '90s Rise of Apocalypse era Apocalypse mythos combined with like late '80s Claremont shit. It's yes. uh, very very kind of out there with its influences, but so either way, it's, a, it's an event like specifically built for you and I. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you have. Core team going to the other world, figure out what's going on. You learn that the the original uh, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which are essentially Apocalypse kids in this version, have uh, remained there. He fought these giant battles there in Araco. Is that how you say Araco, Araco? Whatever Araco, the other. Yeah. Yeah. With Araco, he's been tricked back there. His kids are essentially remaining on the warpath and now coming to take over their land. They, they make a very almost anime-esque challenge of now... The X Men have to find ten swords, and those ten fighters will fight will fight other worlds, and that decides ten fighters in combat. And the other catches in other world, if you die, they can't seem to figure out how to bring you back properly. Which I think is uh, the most interesting thing to come out so far of the first five issues we've read. Yeah, is um, they've a big concern that I know a lot of people have had about the X books is. The, uh, the resurrection protocols and how easy it seems like the uh, X-Men are, are dying and being brought back to life. And I think one of the writers is either X-Factor or uh, X-Force. Somebody addressed, yeah, we're getting reckless because we know we can get brought back. We're, we're, and it was kind of a, a nod to the X-Men sure seem to be getting killed now that they can be brought back to life more. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Rockslide, um, Santo is killed in other worlds. Um, Lorna brings him back. Um, they try to resurrect him. And what appears to happen is another Santo, another Rockslide from another dimension manages to be brought back. But he also can't be given the memories that um, of the previous Santo because Cerebro wasn't able to back them up yep. because he was in other worlds. So... There is there is a there is a rock slide. Yeah, we but don't. It's not our rock slide, and yeah. as far as we can tell, that means that rock slide has been killed. Yep. Uh, also, completely circumventing the resurrection protocols. Sorry. Yep. Oh no. Uh, I want to start off all the designs for all. This. It's very Egyptian, and I love them all. With mm. the one weird exception that we've talked about off mic a ton, which is, and for anyone out there listening, I wanted to address this because I know Daniel had this problem, and a lot of friends have had this problem. And we don't have a reason for it, just up front. Saturnine <laughs> does look just like Emma Frost for reasons. Yeah. She's drawn a little bit different, but it's also, they're not on page together almost ever, so, at least so far. So yeah. they, you can't really tell, when one's not on the page, like, if if you draw Saturnine and if she told me she was Emma Frost, they're, they're, I mo- they're it. mostly trying to draw Emma with more cleavage and a sharper chin to kind of dif- differentiate them. Basically, what it comes down to is when Opal Luna Saturnine was created by Alan and Alan Davis in the 1980s, um, Emma Frost wasn't the important character she is now. She was a villain. She led the Hellions, and shortly after Saturnine's introduction, she died. Um, I mean, not shortly after, a few years after. Yeah. But they, to my knowledge, these characters have never actually met. Um, they're both buxom, blonde-haired, pale-skinned, vaguely European uh, love perfection. white capes with fur. White capes with fur and corsets, yeah. though Emma tends to show more boob. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's no, like, 
definitive reason for that to be the case. Again, other than that's just what Alan Moore felt like drawing with a blue and Saturday night. It may be that may be uh, something that Chris Claremont really likes in his mischievous, uh, mischievous, not quite villainous. Uh, female characters. There may be uh, some fetish play there uh, with Claremont. You never know for sure. I'm just more um, shocked that, like I said, Alan Davis in the 80s and 90s, all sorts of stuff, but it's 2020. Every All these people can redesign. What a perfect time to redesign it. <laughs> and instead... But, but she's iconic in that design, just like Emma's iconic? iconic in her I've, design. I've never heard of the character until this. <laughs> like, she's iconic to old masturbating men like myself. Still, like, you know, up, update her, because... Because I, I, again, I had to do all kinds of last minute research at, well, after reading. Cause I had three or four friends come to me like, "Why is Emma Frost doing this?" Like, "Oh, it's not." Oh, oh, you fucking texted me and were like, "Um, yeah, help." Yeah, I was like, "What's?" Cause like, it's not Emma Frost Saturday Night. I know this character exists. Like, I've I've heard the name, but I don't think I've ever seen her or anything. So even I was like, oh, "Well, maybe they're connected. Maybe there's some like it's based off Claremont eighty stuff. Maybe she's a weird clone of a clone or a weird. I mean, in a world with two Psylocke's and Rachel Summers, I wouldn't put it past anything." Oh no, failed clones were absolutely something that Claremont wanted to do a lot more than what he actually did with. Have you have you ever heard Claremont's intended uh, saber tooth background? Oh, I know I have. I don't know if I'm because I know uh, I think maybe in the kayfabe interview he talks about it, but. Sabretooth, because I love the character Sabretooth. That is a character that seems like no one has ever known what the fuck to do with. Well, basically what he wanted to do was kind of like what um, uh, Jim Starlin ended up doing with Thanos, which was basically anytime Sabretooth got his ass kicked by someone Sabretooth should not have gotten his ass kicked by, that was going to be a failed sinister clone of Sabretooth. And the real Sabretooth hadn't actually shown up since like uncanny number 213 or whatever it was where he just completely fucked up Wolverine. And... Um, that was Weird. supposed to be the story, was that, uh, yeah, uh, when Sabretooth did come back, he was going to be this incredibly powerful oh. badass that would just, just thrash Wolverine whenever he saw him. I have, um, uh, it, I don't know why it's popped in my head, and it's just kind of jumping around to Marauders, which is mm-hmm. part five. Right. They, I do not know why Wakanda, for a nation that is so evolved and so forward, it's so gives such a fucking shit about giving a sword to someone for a minute. I'm just gonna say that right now. I love that issue, but I was like, because it's culturally relevant to they were gonna the founding give her, of this. They were gonna give her everything else, and I get the point of they were gonna willing to give her everything else. I'm also like, but only Black Panther could give her that sword, and Black Panther wasn't there to do it. And instead of getting on the Avengers communications device and saying, "Hey, right, that's the other you thing," give your ex wife this I sword. Like, they act like they don't have phones or instant teleportation in this world. Where I was because like, it breaks the story. Because it, it breaks the story they need to tell, which is... What kind of... I, I love the story, Krakoa but... Needs to, Krakoa needs to be on the bad side of Wakanda for a future issue. Yeah, but I kind that's of... A, that is the unfortunate that's necessitation fair. of this. That's totally fair. However, I was just like, my God, they like you said, they could have just... Even if they had a phone call... Where he said, oh, okay, I'm away. Just right in like, oh, well, and, and, you know, it's our tradition where he has to hand you the sword and he can't just give permission. Like, something, because in this, it, apparently, the whole issue is like, Storm goes to Wakanda and it has some great talks with Shuri because, of course, her and T'Challa used to be married. Oh, all of a sudden. 
Storm, which made Storm and uh, Shuri basically sisters-in-law. And they definitely play that up. Also, I want to point out real quick before we go on, this issue was not written by Gary Duggan, who is uh, the writer of Marauders. Oh, that's kind of like a... I don't don't know if you noticed that. No, it's like Wolverine and uh, X-Force are both drawn by someone who's now got a lot of people mad at Uh, Victor Bogdanovich. Yeah, people are pissed off at him right now, but... uh, Because he looks so much like... um, uh, Greg Capullo? No, because he uh, he made some Twitter posts about, like, why don't they put, uh, like, what's happening in the front page like they used to? I have no clue what's going on in these comics. I was just told to draw them, and I have, I don't have any idea. I haven't read any X-Books in 20 years. Like, uh, why make that, like, why make that public? Yeah. You got paid to draw uh, books. I don't... And, I don't know. And yeah, also, I, I, do, I do kind of agree with them that recap pages are, are kind of missed. It was a Vita Alea, and I want to say she was the one that co... She's she's co-written something recently. It was good. Uh, I like it. It's not bad, but it's definitely not Gary Duggan, and I did kind of miss his authorial voice on the book. I like I like Storm there. I kind of like because so far, so the team so far that have swords, uh, Magic because she just fucking has her sword. Uh, I, I like that. She, yeah, Mag- Magic was the first one to be like, "Yep, of course I'm here." Yeah. Uh, all right, let me go kick my, some ass. My See other, guys in a minute. my maybe my one complaint is having Polaris's uh, Polaris repeating like what's supposed to be this like weird ancient rhyme of all the characters that will have a sword. It goes way too fucking long because every there's ten characters. And everyone basically gets two lines of explanation. So it's like a twenty a twenty sentence structure of a rhyme, or not really a rhyme of a of a prophecy. And I feel like it works in the context of the comic, though. Maybe I had no clue what the fuck she was talking about, and I was just like, "See, I, I figured out like four or five of them." Oh no, so I mean, I, I guess like, I felt really smart. I guess I got like I got the one for Cable, and I got a couple others, but it also like I was just like kind of skimming through, and I it didn't keep my attention. I was just like, "Okay, this means I get you're you're saying who's going to be who," and I just moved on. Uh, but See, I, I I read it with the intention of being like, "Ooh, can I puzzle these out?" So I, I, I was invested. I only got cable. Here's my theory. I don't think it's. I'm guessing old cable's going to come and take the sword, and it's not going to be young cable. That would be awesome. I think uh, that'd be a really kick-ass uh, plot turn that I I definitely did not see coming. Uh, speaking of people who already have swords, I really loved, and I wish they'd had a little bit more time to do Wolverine versus Silver Samurai yeah. because Silver Samurai's honor was basically impugned by not being one of the sword people, and it was kind of hilarious and awesome and really in character. It was yeah. a great little moment in Wolverine, and I kind of wish they'd done more with it. I agree. I I really dig that. The it, it's the same problem I kind of had with the first three issues Wolverine. I'm glad it's condensed. However, this story felt like it could have been its own like five issue arc, or even just if you'd given the issue to Wolverine and Silver Samurai working out their shit, yeah. and then had all the uh, the solemn stuff happen over in X Force and make X Force double size. Because yeah. another thing we haven't mentioned of the five issues that came out so far, three have been double sized, but it feels really random as to ones that are because yeah. X Factor Part Two was, I... and then uh, Marauders Part Five was. But Wolverine and X Force were normal sized, and it feels like the story felt a little condensed. All I can guess, and this is this gets into possibly ripping people's money off, is because X Force and Wolverine are already written by the same person and already kind of intertwined. I want to be like, oh, that's basically a double sized right there, anyway. We just get um, we just get two extra instead of charging four ninety nine for it, we can charge three ninety nine for both of them. Interesting. And I don't want to sound that way, but. That's the only way I can figure out because I thought the same thing buying them. We're like, why are these three nine nine? These are four nine nine. This one's five ninety nine. Uh, it's moving along fast, and I'm happy. And like next week, we have. I will say, having like three or four parts almost every week can kind of feel a little daunting because it's 
you get a lot, but you also get such a big part of the story. It does feel it makes a twenty what twenty two issue twenty two part story. Yes. Yeah, twenty two part story feel a lot faster because again we're two weeks in. We're already on part five. Yeah, and that's actually I was going to say that I'm actually really really happy um, that we're getting the, that this is setting the pace that it is because I feel like a twenty two part story even getting to maybe three issues a month would still push it to the better part of a year for the story to go on and. Nobody wants that. I don't want that. I yeah. don't want a year of, of uh, Ten of Swords. But, a, you know, two months of Ten of Swords, but you still get a 22-part epic that's going to collect into a fucking gorgeous hardcover? Yeah. Sure. We, okay. uh, again, this isn't the 90s more. I love Age of Apocalypse. However, if I have to, have to wait, you know, actually like 15 full months to wrap up an event, we don't live in that world anymore. That can't happen. Right. This has to be condensed down to this. And I'm, and I'm very happy it is because... It feels like you're getting a step away from what's going on. You're getting a big part of the story of the overall kind of Hickman world. However, it feels very important, but you can tell it's not like a end-all, be-all story. Yeah, and that's actually one thing when I when I finally realized at the end of uh, Exosword creation, uh, I know it's Ten of Swords. I'm saying Exosword. I don't care. I, it's, um, I think it's both. Like, isn't it oh, both? Uh, well, the X is supposed to be the Roman numeral 10, because yeah, there's 10 it? characters, it's the Ten of Swords, yeah, but isn't car, it? I mean, it's a road death. It's also X-Men. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I could be wrong, but I mean, well, I, it's, I... It's Powers of 10, not Powers of X. So. See, I, I took both as it, it can be either. That's fair. So I think, I mean, I think if you have an X-Men book and you call it Powers of 10 and you put an X there, I mean, clearly for merchandise, but also, like, you're going to have people call it Hawks Pox, it's much easier to say than Poten Ho-10. ten. <laughs> Or Pox, Pox Potent. Yeah, it's uh, Pox Potent Docs. Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, no, it's either way. I uh, I, I took it as it could be, especially because even uh, even how she was talking about like you have again because a lot of space off tarot, you have Ten of Swords, but also again using the X, which isn't a tarot thing. I've been like I would think the X would have to be part of it. Right. Uh, That's fair. Either way, um, uh, I like it. I'm I'm very. Very, 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 very intrigued where it is going, uh, because right now, all we really, the other, only swords we really know, we know Cable, we know whatever's going on with the Kid Omega and the Russian dude with the three-row sword, mm-hmm. and everybody else, although I guess Psylocke also didn't make the cut. That's true, um, but uh, I do want to say one thing. I'm kind of fascinated at the uh, the way they ended up getting the Muramasa Blade from Wolverine, because mm-hmm. my first thought was... You have X number of time travelers who are also mutants, one of which is on the Resurrection crew. Couldn't someone have just gone and gotten the old Muramasa blade from before it was destroyed? Again, that's the problem with time travel. Because then you go, like, couldn't so they just go back to what uh, the original Apocalypse stuff and stop it from, like, stop these characters from being born or living or going into the universe to help them win this side or... But then you have then then you go into a whole new another event and a whole another well what the ramifications of this? That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give that to you. That's fair. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it was kind of weird. To, Wolverine's going back to hell. The only thing I didn't love about it was oh uh, he didn't get the sword. Luckily, he made two swords. Yeah. And him and Solemn can both get a sword, and then Solemn gets both swords, but he has to make some deal. It's going to come back and bite him in the butt later. I am very curious what that deal could be, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, 
there's 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 definitely I feel like there's story potential there. Like it's like you said, we both ended up really liking Solemn way more than I think either of us oh, yeah. expected to. I love so. all of the horsemen and all of the apocalyptic characters. They did a very good job of keeping them in design with apocalypse. Uh, and also having their own unique flavor. I think all the designs are really, really top-notch. I'm very curious to see if they carry over beyond this, if any of these characters will take off. I, I, unfortunately, I feel like they're probably going to end up like the uh, Thanos' crew. I mean, we may end up seeing them in the movies, like Ebony Maw and yeah. um, Corpus Glaive, but I doubt they show up in the comics again to, to any big fanfare. I know there's currently a, uh, or there was, a miniseries involving whatever the cabal is called, I can't remember, but... The Black um, Order. Well, yeah, they, they're, so. they're, they're, it's definitely not a, a, a huge selling book, that's for sure. Yeah. No, I think, so far, I'm loving Extra Swords. Uh, it's, again, I, I'm really, really, really excited to see where it goes and how it affects the overall universe, because we're already seeing these small little ways. It is odd, looking back, how... It must have been editorial how Fantastic Four and X-Men, that crossover book, just really pays no attention to anything in the X-Universe. Not true. Issue four, issue 4 actually sets up where the book happens in continuity. Oh, yeah, but I mean, like, right now, like, the fan, like it didn't affect... Oh, it didn't affect like anything with fit, the Fantastic Four doing with the X-Men. Yeah, yeah it fit, I mean, it fits in the continuity, but I'm saying it doesn't... It hasn't, like, actually affected anything in the universe right now. That's true. It definitely, the X-Men feel, as opposed to, say, when Extraordinary X-Men came out and they were living in limbo and it felt like they were literally cut off from the Marvel Universe and it didn't feel fun or exciting. Yeah. The X-Men, you know, walling themselves off on Krakoa and, you know, kind of going with this weird kind of cult mentality that has all the superheroes kind of scratching their heads that feels appropriate and that feels fun and interesting and like there's a story there yeah i yeah, i don't know maybe maybe one day but also the fact that hickman wasn't even like listed in that book as a head of x or anything i can't help but think that was just a weird one-off mm-hmm. oh we didn't mention that ryan otley stepping away from amazing spider-man was also news yeah he made that announcement recently that um mm-hmm. He was doing what he's done twenty eight issues, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm good." Yeah. I'm very curious as oh. to the behind the scenes on that. I'm going to just put on my paranoid conspiracy <laughs> tinfoil dunce cap and say I am very, very curious why this guy says twenty eight issues is like his his max. He just can't do it anymore. Yeah. He's had his fill. He loves. The character and loves what he did, but man, twenty-eight issues after doing God knows how many issues of Invincible, hundred and whatever, yeah. God knows he did twenty-eight issues is just couldn't 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 possibly take another issue of Spider-Man, guys. It's just too much. I feel like I've I feel like I might just overset my balance here if I'm uh, if I draw just another issue of Spider-Man. Um, I don't know. I I will say that new I did pick up the newest issue, the oversized one, because it had like Trad Moore art or, and a few other that was incredible. Yeah. I about that i kind of wanted to grab it for the chat more art not gonna yeah, lie. it was uh it was great there's a lot there's lots of, i don't know because i know some people that that schedule may just been too may have been too much mm-hmm. like as much as i love like i love nick darrington to death but even like a couple of books where he's coming on board i, I love it but it's like okay i don't know how how this is gonna go scheduling wise oh for sure yeah no i mean there's there's absolutely every 
reasonable explanation in the world for this to be the case. But considering my personal feelings for the uh, writer of Spider-Man, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put on my little tinfoil dunce cap and uh, and start spouting some conspiracy theories. Fair, fair. Uh, I haven't kept up with that all. A lot of right now, a lot of Marvel books is outside outside of X-Men. Like uh, I've, I'm, I think I'm even behind the issue on Venom and. Uh, I Venom and X Men is basically the only books I'm reading right now, and it's weird they're both like this is now in event mode, and Venom's about to be back in event mode. Yeah, we. Uh, I don't know. Daredevil's fine. Daredevil has lost some of its Zadarsky sheen. Um, I feel like he 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 finished telling the story that I wanted to read with issue twenty, and the book is still going, and it's just like I I mean I'm on board. I'm not leaving, but. I've I've definitely lost some of my enthusiasm. I feel like Marvel's starting to maybe uh, crowd the Immortal Hulk brand a little bit because they put out the Zero issue, which was essentially a reprint book, yeah. but it had ten pages or maybe less than ten pages. It had a few pages of Al Ewing wraparound story, so I went ahead and bought it for that. Um, I did find a copy of the Immortal She-Hulk because it was written by Al Ewing. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I did pick it up because of the author. Good. I skipped the Robert, uh, the Lemire, uh, Jeff Lemire oh, yeah. uh, in Immortal Hulk uh, issue that he did because it's not uh, Al Ewing, but I, it does seem like they're starting to try to make the Immortal Hulk world a brand, and I think that's going to end up being a mistake. Yeah, I hope it doesn't cost them. It is. We always talk about. We just talk about the Watchmen. It's one of the things that the big two love to do. If something's successful, we got to some, find a way to branch it out and kill it. What I always bring, I know we talk about all the time, but something like uh, the Batman Who Laughs, where had it just kept, had Batman Who Laughs only ever shown up in Scott Snyder properties, and the story he wants to tell is being told. It would not have felt so much like he was overloaded and constantly there. Mm. However, they branched him out into like the Batman Superman book, and they branched him out in the other couple of other weird books that were coming out at that time. And I feel like it's similar with Mortal Hulk, where it's cool to have like the world expanded on. However, mm. when you start going like, okay, well, all these people that clearly don't really give a shit about the character or don't really care, they're just doing it for a check, are now involved. Like, why are we? Why are we branching out? Everybody gets a one-shot just to have a one-shot. Right. Uh, speaking of that, Death Metal continues to be really good. The uh, issue four comes next week. All the singles have been really, really, really great so far. Uh, that book that continues to be a super fun event. I admit I haven't read anything beyond the first two issues. Um, I'm here. I've heard nothing but good things, really. I mean, I've... I, I've not on the level of metal. Yeah. Nobody's saying it's it's as good as or better than metal, but it's definitely still getting very, very, very positive reads for sure. Yeah, I, I once it's all collected, I'll be able to tell more. But I, as of right now, I'm really, really intrigued on that one too. I think they're both. It's interesting. Both DC and Marvel right now are basically being held up by a big event, and outside of that, there's not a lot to talk about. I mean, DC's pushing yeah. forward with some really interesting ideas that are about to start hitting. The next few weeks and a few months, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're about to start seeing some big changes there, and I, I'm excited for a lot of that stuff. And but for me, I'm back to again. Killjoys comes out next week, and that'll be where a lot of my excitement goes to, as long as and also with the new Umbrella Academy books. So that'll be a lot of my main titles, along with X Men. Yeah, and I'm just I'm pretty much just on the X Men train right now. That's really all I've 
that and Hulk are all I've, I've really got going for me. And if there's not an issue of Hulk out, there's not much to talk about. Um, which is why, actually, we'll go ahead and spoil this right now. Next episode is going to be uh, a list episode. We haven't done one of those yeah. in a long, long time. But in honor of Ten of Swords, X of Swords, uh, Colby and I are going to be talking about our favorite slash the best X-Men event crossovers um, leading into uh, X of Swords. So if you want to read some old school comics uh, that, that make us feel the way uh, X of Swords is making us feel right now, be sure to tune into the episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a feeling we're going to um, possibly have some headbutts on some of the other, some early ones, and I feel like some of our later ones we're going to be in complete agreement on. Yeah, I think that's fair. Speaking of that, though, next episode, things are changing here for the better. Yes. Uh, there are some good changes um, coming. Uh, yeah, I guess we can get, go ahead and just talk about this since we're kind of wrapping up here. So I just want to say uh, we have been talking about this and debating this for quite a while because mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to make any major decision without uh, without really thinking out all the options and everything. However, just due to kind of the way everything's going right now in the direction we are going with our content, uh, for the first time in now like six years, we're going to be independent again. Yes, uh, we are decoupling from the Night Nerd Network. Um, we love Lance. Lance is a very good friend of both of ours. But like Colby said, our content is kind of heading in a different direction. Uh, Lance is looking more at uh, streaming content and Twitch and uh, trying to pursue other avenues for the Night Nerd that we aren't necessarily as interested in. Um, and it feels like a good time to to go ahead and make a break. So this will be our last episode to post on the Night Nerd Network. From now on, uh, you'll be able to find us uh, via Blah Blah Comics, um, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, we actually uh, Colby. Where are we at, man? Uh, right, right now we uh, respawn Volume Nine already up on our new Spotify, our new iTunes. Our YouTube channel, our YouTube channel is the same. Uh, we, for a long time, we want to be on Spotify, and that was a big deal with doing this move uh, to our own independent company, our own. We don't have a catchy name, uh, just what we're doing. It'll be on this new, on our new side, it'll be us, of course. And as always, I'm bringing in Daniel, so our new weird, which is probably going to be going to some rebranding, is coming over with us. So we'll have some great content still, a lot of fun things coming, but right now, have a new Spotify, just search Blah Blah Comics, we're there. iTunes, Blah Blah Comics, uh, it's both, you'll see our new logo, our new nifty logo is on everything. We have a uh, same YouTube, same Instagram, same Facebook, all of that is the same. However, we're going to be able to deliver more of our content straight to you guys on a schedule that we can consistently keep up with and be able to expand our avenues in not only our content, but maybe who we have on some of the shows and how we present some of the shows. Uh, for, I, I mentioned getting on Spotify was a major deal to me, and now that we're on there, it feels ext- I'm very, very happy we're on there. So please, if you are on there, go follow us on Spotify. Share it, like it, add it to your playlist. We have plenty of stuff coming out there. Everything you hear from now on, our, probably our main, two hom- our main three homes will, will be YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes Podcasts. We will slowly kind of drip back into everything else, but as for right now, that will be the main things because most of you already listen to that anyway. That is where, if I look at our analytics, most of our listens, the vast majority, are off of 
iTunes and YouTube, and we've had a huge demand to be on Spotify. We're on Spotify, we and the uh, respawn numbers on Spotify were extremely good. They kept up with where we were on other platforms, so I'm very excited by that. Uh, so yeah, if you're a fan of our content, we're not going anywhere. We're moving, or we may be moving houses uh, and expanding that house, <laughs> but you'll still be able to find us. Right. And as of yet, we are still um, talking about a Patreon channel, but even if, something I want to establish, because I've talked about Patreon before, both here and on Respawn, um, we will always have the free, ad-free, as, far, as long as we can make it, content yeah. uh, here on the Blah Blah channel. Oh yeah, I don't uh, Spotify, things like this, as long as we don't plan on it. You, uh, YouTube's different, because that's, as always, sometimes it's something that's copyrighted, claimed, or something gets whatever uh we don't always sadly control where ads go on that if we we normally can and we're trying to make sure nothing does but youtube is youtube so as far as spotify and other homes go uh everything will try to our best to remain ad free with no weird little breaks if we get sponsored or something we may do it probably at the beginning or end of the show but that's about it we're not planning on ever making you guys sit through 20 minutes of ads we definitely want to give a giant thank you to Lance for allowing us on his platform for the past several years for being a part of the Night Nerd family. Uh, we definitely hope to keep doing projects and shows with him, uh, but it's definitely time that we get back to our own two feet and moving forward at the pace that we feel is best for us and best for you, our listeners. Uh, so thank you, Lance. Thank you all the listeners who have listened and been along this ride for a long time i think we're about to go to new places with new heights uh so until then thank you everybody go check out all of our new homes on spotify on itunes on youtube or twitter and everything under blah blah comics uh until then we must bid you all adieu so long good night and goodbye uh a little uh amendum here uh because i didn't realize i just give, gave the whole long nice little speech and uh derek's computer died so i missed it i was talking about how we never wanted to charge you guys for uh <laughs> for listening to our shows the patreon was just going to be extra cool stuff and then my computer just flat out died and i didn't know until i paused and listened for colby to say something and uh he said nothing and i was just like oh no okay oh, <laughs> i thought you just paused the conversation and i agreed and kept moving on and gave a nice thank you to lance a nice thank you to having us on this platform and a very nice loving goodbye and then i looked at my phone like oh your computer died so in typical blah blah fashion we couldn't end it on a, on a nice promo package we have to end it on a on a weird technical difficulty of course that is uh, that is part and parcel of the blah blah package um and because of that, I just want to say again, thank you all so much for listening to us and for continuing to listen to us throughout all these years, throughout all the, the technical hiccups and the depression that caused us to not post for a while and um, all the issues that have accompanied our podcast over the years. You're all amazing. Thank you all so much. I look so I so look forward to, to doing this again. Yes. There's just us and you. Um, we are uh, we are trying something new. It's exciting. It's kind of terrifying. Um, Lance provided us with a bigger opportunity than we ever thought possible when he uh, when we formed the Night Nerd Network together. When we when we came under his banner, but it's time. Uh, I feel like it is time for us to to move on and try it on our own once again. So I hope I'm not stepping on anything you've already said, sir. No, I, I great to have your input. I, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely the closing. 
of a chapter, but not the closing of the book. It's turning the page is all this is for us right now. Absolutely. Um, so next week you'll be able to hear us on our own feed where we talk about uh, our favorite slash best uh, X-Men crossovers. And then the week after that, we'll actually do our next respawn. Yeah. Uh, since we took the uh, we had to take the weird uh, skip week uh, more recently than we intended, I'm just going to go ahead and barrel through and um, prep and get ready for respawn in two weeks. So we'll be looking forward to that as well. Um until then, uh, I guess we should probably go ahead and tell you about all our social media as well. We are still available in all the usual places. Uh, blah, blah, podcast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. Um, we are on Twitter where I am at blah, blah, pod. I'm at hellhound f5. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash blah, blah, podcast where Colby brings you some really amazing stuff. I need to post on there more often. Uh, Instagram, you can follow my favorite movie a, a day for the year uh, on Blah Blah Podcast. Uh, Colby's been posting some really excellent uh, art oh, over you. at Hellhound F5. Thank you. I just, I've been doing a lot of uh, referencing and uh, trying to match Daniel Warren Johnson's all his wrestling stuff he does. So I'm uh, <laughs> trying to copy that. And I'm also highly debating whether to uh, buy one because he still has one. Uh, up from last year that I'm like I kind of it may not be my favorite wrestler but it's still pretty awesome that's absolutely great man um, so thank you all for making this journey with us uh, I hope you've had fun and I hope you continue to stick with us in the next phase of blah blah's uh, ongoing saga of technical difficulties <laughs> random comments and as always curse words thank you all good night everybody the night before But your thoughts will soon be won't